0: Hey, Corner Office listeners, you can find us on all streaming platforms, such as Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Also, make sure to check out our Instagram at the Pod. Now enjoy this episode. This episode is brought to you by Romeo's Sports Bar and Grill. Conveniently located in Scarborough, Yarmouth, and Topsom, Romeo's Bar and Grill has been a great atmosphere for food, drinks, sports and family fun since 1989. I've spent many hours inside of Romeo's, and it is my go-to place whenever I need somewhere to watch the big game. My personal favorite item on the menu is the chicken parmesan pizza, but there are plenty of other options like burgers, wings, and appetizers galore. If you are looking for a spot to bring the family, or just a place to relax and enjoy some food, give Romeo's a try. Now back to the action.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Corner Office. We got a great segment coming up to, uh, for you guys today about the NBA playoffs, so um, we're excited to be back. I mean, um, we haven't done as much socials work as we as we normally do on our Instagram page, but make sure that you go check that out if you haven't already. As always, I'm Alex Penders.
0: And I'm Jack Byrne, and the NBA playoffs are officially underway. Um, and the Celtics are up 3-1 to after last night's win over the Atlanta Hawks.
1: Uh, yeah, th- first
0: I thing think... before we before we get too far, um, I don't want to sound too confident because, you know, like famous last words, but DeJounte Murray's been suspended for game five. We have a three one series lead going back home. It's hard to not feel good about our chances right now.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think right now we should talk about the series just to start that um, you know, are over. Right. Like in in our opinion. So, I mean, we could start with the Celtics series because it's the one that we feel the most passionately about as Celtics fans. Um, I would say that last night's game wasn't very, you know, confidence inspiring in myself. Um, And this whole series as a whole has really not been one that as a Celtics fan, I look at and go, oh, we've dominated every single game that we've played. Um, And that's a bit concerning for me against this Atlanta Hawks team because it feels like we're going to sweep them. Which we should, or not sweep them, they already won a game. We're going to gentlemen sweep them, um, which is what we should do. But I don't know if you remember when we swept the Indiana Pacers in maybe 2019, I think. Or 21. It was the bubble year? Was it the bubble year? I don't think it was.
0: Because TJ Warren then it was, was going off before the
1: bubble. Before the bubble, I think it was 2019. No,
0: TJ Warren, TJ Warren was going off in the bubble.
1: That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but TJ Warren wasn't going off against the Celtics.
0: All right, so I think that it was 2019.
1: Okay. Either way, as a Celtics fan, you look at that series and you go, "Oh, they swept them," but like every game was a close game, and then that was kind of a massive disappointment for us. So like I'm a bit worried um, about going into the next round, but I think that the Celtics will get this one done at the crib at TD Garden. Um, and you know, the Jays on paper played really well, but I, I really didn't think that they dominated that game. What about you?
0: Well, you see, it's tough for me because I feel like we've actually been very like relaxed in our play style against this Hawks team in the sense where we've like conserved our energy and haven't had to have any games go down to the wire. I mean, relatively speaking, uh, the Jays have been good on paper. But I agree with you. Where Jason Tatum went like one for eight from the three-point line last night before he started getting hot, and Jalen Brown has just been turning the ball over a lot. So that's like the negative side of it. Yeah. Do you think? But Jaylen I think Brown- that I think that I think that the positive is that in all the games that they've played, they've jumped out to a lead in the first half, and then they've weathered the storm on the Atlanta Hawks runs in the second half. And I think that that's a good sign. Uh, Getting ready to go against a 76ers team that isn't really great normally in the first half, but typically tends to turn it up in the second half, especially when guys like Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris start hitting shots that they shouldn't necessarily be hitting. So I think that the Celtics being able to weather the Atlanta Hawks' runs is a really good sign moving forward. But I agree that they have not been like confidence-inspiring. In the first series so far,
1: do you think that Jalen Brown is the worst ball handling All Star in the league right now?
0: I mean, it's hard to say because, like, he has a dribble package that he can use. It's just so, like, he when he gets in his bag. When he gets, when he gets in his bag, he has a great package. Yeah. Pause. But <laughs> when he's when he's turning the ball over, I mean, he's definitely up there. Like he. Yeah. No, there's some bad ones. The worst part about Jalen Brown for me is his free throw form. He always Mm. looks like he's pushing the ball on the free throw line, and I just get so scared when he's up there, especially when the game's on the line. And he took the mask off, and that was, like, the coolest thing in the world. He looked so badass with that mask, and now he just, like, isn't as cool in my
1: opinion. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. I think that... You know, I mean, even in game one where uh, we saw the Celtics go out and dominate, get th- a 30-point first half, and then they almost gave that lead up. You know, like, as a Celtics fan, like, we've been one of the worst teams in the league at holding a lead since I was, like, 12 years old. You know what I mean? Like, we cannot hold a lead to save our lives sometimes, and that really concerns me when we're going to be playing teams or we're going to need to be putting games away. Um, but either way... In my opinion, this series ends tomorrow night at the crib, at the Boston Garden, and if it doesn't, without Dejounte Murray, I start to get a little bit—I start to get a little bit nervous about Game Six going back to Atlanta.
0: So, here's like my question. I don't want to get ahead of myself moving forward, but let's say hypothetically the Celtics do finish it off tomorrow night. Is there anyone who has a tougher road to the finals than the, than the, it's either the Celtics or the 76ers have the toughest road to the finals because we have to play each other, which is probably going to be a seven game series if we're honest. And then we have to play the winner of the Bucks series, which will be the Bucks. And then we have to get to the finals. And it's just like, I keep harping on this point that we just ran out of gas last year and didn't Mm -hmm. like, we're just too tired in the finals because we had these gruesome series that we had to get through. And I mean, I just feel that way with the Eastern conference every year. It's just such a grind and such a gauntlet to get to that final that once we're there, once whatever team comes out of the East is there, it's going to be a struggle to get over the hump. So I think that that scares me just a little bit and it should scare Philadelphia fans too. But all that has to start with getting through the Hawks tomorrow night.
1: Well, I mean, it shouldn't, it shouldn't um, concern them too much because they just took care of the nuts in four. I think for Philadelphia, um, it's just more so a thing about them staying healthy. I'd like to stay with the Celtics, though, a little bit for a little bit longer with you. Um, and just talk about their rotation. I know that you're a big Grant Williams guy, and he really hasn't been getting that many minutes this entire series. Why do you think that is? And do you think that that's a good call going forward, or do you think that that's a bad call going forward? I also think that that can really change the way that he may look at this contract year, because I mean there were some rumors about him getting 15 to 20 million, or that's what he was demanding to stay with the Celtics team, and I really don't think that that's going to be the case after these playoffs. So I just wanted to get your take on. On the the Celtics rotation.
0: Well, I I think that Grant does not match up well with this Hawks team. If you look yeah. at their bigs, he's not tall enough to play against Capella. And I'm going to botch this name, but is it a, a Kongwu?
1: Yeah, Anyeka uh, Kongwu. A Kongwu? Yeah, um, Kongwu.
0: You got it. He's that was good. He's just. He, thank you. He's just not <laughs> big enough to play against those guys, and. Like, he doesn't match up well with, like, a John Collins, who's quick and can spread the floor, or, like, a DeAndre Hunter, who will just cook him every single time. But, with that being said, I think that Grant's done a great job with the minutes that he's had, and he played a lot in Game 4. Or, I'm sorry, he played a lot in Game 3, and had, like, a lot of big three-point buckets, and he was playing good defense. But just as a whole, I don't think he matches up very well with this team, and I think that we'll see more and more of Grant moving forward in the playoffs like he he matches up very well against the bucks as we saw last year he held Giannis extremely well um so I'm not too concerned about Grant's like minutes but I do agree that there's no chance he gets 20 million next year like that's just absurd yeah there's just no way that that's gonna happen
1: that was absurd when it came out too though I think um I think that in that game three loss, we were just kind of grasping at straws for anything because nothing was working in that first half for us for a bit. And, um, you know, maybe that's why he got a little bit more PT in that game because I think that I think that the Celtics kind of let up in that one a little bit more than they have in, you know, games, especially games one and two where they really kind of put their foot down at, at the house. I think that the Celtics team needs to make sure that they don't lose a home game for this entire playoffs i mean and of course you say that and you're like oh if they don't lose a home game they're gonna have home court advantage for the next two series like or for the next series like yeah of course they shouldn't lose on their own home court but like i think that that's something that they need to really hammer home is that they're a much better home team than they are an on the road team and um continuing to get wins at the house that being said i think that they get the series done tomorrow night and i think that you agree yes
0: yeah i think they get it done
1: okay so i think we can move off the celtics now unless you have something else you want to add to this conversation
0: nope let's move on
1: sweet let's talk about the philadelphia 76ers a series that is actually over this is the only sweep in the nba in the first round correct correct yep okay so they really took care of this nets team um man, was this Nets team kind of disappointing in the playoffs. I think that we were both a little bit excited to see them back in with that like kind of scrappy underdog team that we haven't seen since that 2019 team with D'Angelo Russell. And um, you remember when like Jared Dudley was going at Ben Simmons, like that was the environment. That was the vibe, you know, and they were doing all the dances on the sidelines. And eventually the Philadelphia 76ers in that series who were the better team got that series done and over with. Um, I think it was in five games. Maybe the Nets one-one, but either way, it was a really fun series. This one was kind of lopsided from the start.
0: Well, and I—I I honestly did have a lot of fun watching uh, Cameron Johnson and Mikhail Bridges because they were just lighting it up yeah, all series. Awesome. I don't think I don't think they had a bad game out of all four. What I really was disappointed with was Spencer Dinwiddie, or as Kyle Kuzma named him, Spencer Shitty, who has now. Gotten an 0-4 record since he gained the name of Spencer Dinwiddie, and will probably have to carry that with him, maybe for the rest of his career. So I think he played horribly, and I think that like if you watched Game Three, Game Three ended with Spencer Dinwiddie trying to take on Joel Embiid at the hoop one-on-one, and he just got packed, like he just got blocked so bad, lost the game. Nets lost by. What was it, like three points, five points or something game like that? Game three. Yeah. And we lost
1: game three by five points, yeah.
0: By five points. So they were down three. He went for a two-point bucket right at Joel Embiid and just didn't get it. Uh, and I just thought that he played really badly this series. And I think that if the ball ran through Mikhail Bridges a lot more that they would have had more success. Like, we didn't see Nick Claxton for the first two games, but then he showed up for the last two. He showed up for the last two, and he was just firing on all cylinders. So I think that Nets fans can be hopeful of the direction that they're heading in, especially with guys like Dorian Finney-Smith who are doing their job. But I just think that Spencer Dinwiddie shouldn't be the guy that has all the offense run through him. I just don't think that he's him like that
1: that's fair. I also would like to say that I think it's hard to win playoff series when the most points you score in an entire series is 101 points and you didn't score over a hundred points for the rest of the series. Like that's putting yourself in a really tough spot. I think it shows how great a defensive team, this uh, Philadelphia 76ers team actually is. And I don't think that that's true on paper, right? I, I, I mean, I don't think that that's like been shown as much throughout the season, but it clearly shows on paper. Um, Shout out to Cameron Johnson, shout out to Mikhail Bridges. Both of those guys I feel like we feel like got did dirty by the Suns, even though everybody understands like you make a trade for KD, like, all right, like that makes sense logistically, because that's one of the best basketball players in the NBA. But I mean, as a Cameron Johnson and as a Mikhail Bridges fan of that Suns team, that team that made a run a couple of years back, um, you know, I feel bad for those two guys because they clearly wanted to still be Phoenix Suns. Um but I mean well, but if
0: you watch them, if you watch them, they bonded super quickly with like Cam Thomas and Claxton yeah. and all the guys that were there and they've honestly bonded well with like Finney Smith and Dinwiddie who you wouldn't expect because they go seemingly against each other every single year. So yeah, I would say I, I would think say, that I think that they should be hopeful about the future. I, I like the direction they're heading in I and I like the be. fact that Bridges and Cam Johnson are both like excited to be, Like, because they they undoubtedly have a bigger role in Brooklyn, and we saw that they are good enough to step into that role and take charge. Yes, but I do think that they miss being on the Phoenix Suns a little bit. Uh, But they are—I mean, it's good to see them passionate about the team that they're on.
1: I would have both of those guys on my ballot for most improved players next year. If you're like doing a preseason ballot, I would go Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson. I would watch both of those guys. Put them on the watch list. Those two guys could definitely be. Uh, most improved player candidates come next year. Um, yeah, not much more to say about this series. As long as Joel Embiid is healthy, the 76ers team is lethal. Uh, Tyrese Maxey really played well. James Harden played really well. He's been passing the ball a lot better than I've ever seen him pass the ball. Um, I make I make no... No reservations about it. I did not like James Harden when he was a Houston Rocket, even though he was doing uh, some historic things. I just thought that he was a scorer and not somebody who could play in the playoffs. This year he's kind of trying to uh, prove me wrong there, Um, but I guess we'll we'll see more if he starts to choke when we get deeper into the playoff runs and he meets up with the Boston Celtics in the next round.
0: Hopefully he does.
1: Hopefully he does. As a Celtics fan, I would say hopefully he does as well. Um, another series in the East that, in, that interests me right now, but probably won't soon is the fact that Miami has a two, one lead over the bucks, but Giannis Antetokounmpo is back for the bucks, which means to me, I think that they get this game, uh, they get this series done in six or seven games. I think this series will probably go seven games just because of how good this Miami heat team can be in the playoffs, but with Giannis being back on the court, and the heat having no real answer for him i think that the bucks will get the series done even though it was really scare
0: well playoff jimmy has been out in full force got to love jimmy uh, butler. so far it's halftime right now in that game as we're recording the bucks are up 7 and jimmy butler has 27 or er, i'm sorry 24 first half points uh the guy's just going off he's putting the team on his back as he always does time and time again in the playoffs with that being said if I say if they don't win this game tonight and it's two, two going back to Milwaukee, I think there's a chance that it gets done in six. Um, yeah, I but, think it's possible. I mean, I would I'd... love to see it go seven mm-hmm. just to tire this Bucks team. out.
1: Correct. I think that that's, that's the hope is as, as another Eastern conference team fan is that you hope that this Bucks team gets a little bit more tired out going back to, uh, to Miami if they have to if they go for that game six because the series is obviously going to have to go six games at least which is exactly what you were looking for as a Celtics fan right because I mean right. this Bucks team is scary they're really good they can they're one of the best defensive teams in the league um I I worry about their offense sometimes especially when Brooke Lopez isn't hitting threes but he is right now he is tonight and um you know, yeah, Giannis is gonna have a triple double tonight. He's already he's at 17, six and seven, so uh, watch out for that. If any sports betters had Giannis Giannis Antetokounmpo triple double, um, but I think that he's gonna be throwing think...
0: rebounds to himself at the end of the game.
1: Okay, okay, okay. I think that we both think that um, the Bucks will get the series done, even though this Heat team did give them a run for their money.
0: I would love to see the Heat take them out, and I think that they're playing tough enough right now where they can. Yeah, and people forget that sometimes the Bucks play better without Giannis and put up more I points. I think they do. So the fact that they were able – Look, they, I think they that game was proved that in game two. It was okay. a fluke game. That's why I said sometimes. Sometimes, I they, they, okay. sometimes they score more points without Giannis. Sometimes. Because a lot of the time – hold on, let me finish. Yeah. Because a lot of the time, all the offense goes through Giannis, and he doesn't spread the ball to wide-open shooters and will take a double-contested shot instead of that. And when he has an off night – the, like the ball could be spread around better in order to get other scores involved. So sometimes the Bucks play better without Giannis. Okay, uh, I disagree. No team no team can consistently uh play better than they would uh with the one of the best scores in the entire league, so that's absolutely outlandish to say. But I mean they're a team like the Grizzlies who sometimes play better without John Morant.
1: Yeah, let's like, not let's not rush into that. But I was gonna mention that as well is that um we'll we'll talk about that with the Memphis Grizzlies when we get there. Let's move to the last series in the East, one that has really surprised me thus far. The Knicks are up three to one on the Cavaliers. Can can I get your take on that one?
0: Well, I thought that the Cavs would have split, uh, at the Mecca. I thought that they would have gone two two back to Cleveland. Uh, that's not happened, and the Knicks have looked really good. Yep. RJ's been playing really well. Jalen Brunson plays really well with his 1974 style of basketball. Uh, Julius Randle has had a horrible series so far, and if he can play well while guys like Mitchell Robinson uh, and like Josh Hart are all playing at their maximum capacity, then they're going to be a pretty daunting team for the winner of the Bucks versus the Heat series. Um, and, I mean, Isaiah Hartenstein had like five blocks last game, and it was absolutely a legacy game for him. So they've been a lot of fun to watch, and I hate to admit it because I hate the Knicks, but every time they're on in the playoffs at MSG, I turn the game on, and so far they haven't disappointed, and they've exceeded my expectations.
1: Correct. I, I can't I couldn't agree more. I'm disappointed that you didn't mention Jalen Brunson in that in that uh, rundown. I there. did. You did. You I said did. That?
0: I said that Jalen Brunson has been tearing it up with his 1974 style of basketball.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I think that's true as well. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with your with your take on Julius Randle. I would say that this Cavs team just hasn't really found their footing. You know, and they don't match up particularly well with this Knicks team, but everybody aside from Donovan Mitchell really hasn't been playing their best basketball over there. Aside from Darius Garland in game two, which is the one that they won.
0: Well, Um, I mean, Darius Garland last game, if you watched, he was horrible in the first half. Like he's been missing so many shots, but in the second half, he had 10 points in the first four minutes and four assists too. Yeah, so I when mean, he with, gets hot, he's so good. But right. when he's struggling, he's so bad.
1: With him, you know that there's another level that he can get to if he's hitting his shots, and if he's not hitting his shots, then you're kind of you're kind of you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Um, I will say that this Knicks team's defense has been fantastic thus far, um, and I think that that's what you get for for sticking with a guy like Tom Thibodeau even through like the tough times this year and last year, where you thought maybe they would they would get rid of him. Maybe he's lost the locker room, something like that. Um, But I mean, he's always been a defensive minded head coach. And I think that that comes out in their play style a lot. Um, And, you know, seeing them have a three, one series lead going back to Cleveland. I don't see them winning in Cleveland. I do see them winning game six at home because there just isn't an environment like MSG anywhere else, especially in an elimination game. So I think that the Knicks are going to get this series done in six games. What do you think?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I think that they're, like, if they're gonna win the series, they're gonna win it at home in front of their fans, they're not gonna win it on the road, and if you think that this Cleveland team's gonna go down without at least a fight, uh, you're wrong. I mean, they're a very tough, scrappy young team, Mm -hmm. but I think that they lack in playoff experience, and I think that this Knicks team has just enough with, like, Brunson, who's been to the Western Conference Finals twice, I think, and like Julius Randle who's been in the league for like sneaky 10 years, people forget about that. Yeah, he's been um, in the league for a while. Like I just I just see them getting it done in 6.
1: Okay. I agree. I agree with that. I think that I think that they get the series done in 6 games. Let's move over now to the Western Conference and we'll start with a series that has been hindered heavily by injuries, which is what most of the series in the Western Conference have you know, a little bit of a crutch to lay back on for that. Um, this Phoenix suns versus LA Clippers series. I think that this series could have been a lot more interesting if Kawhi Leonard was healthy, which is something that I think we say a lot of now, considering that this Clippers team has never been healthy. in like the three years that it's been together. And I don't really know when you pull the plug as, um, the
0: Clippers are cursed.
1: Yeah. They gotta be
0: like Donald Sterling. cursed Are we ready to admit that? Like, we don't have now that the Kings are back in the playoffs. We don't have a cursed NBA franchise, and I think that the Clippers are willing to step into that role. Like in football, we have the Vikings. In baseball, we have the Cleveland Indians. Guardians. I'm sorry. F- please forgive me. And in hockey, I don't really know anything about hockey, so <laughs> it's there's probably, it's probably, a probably a cursed the team.
1: Bruins, dude. At, you know, like Tottenham. Bruins.
0: Tottenham has never won a trophy in their career, so yeah, like every count? sport has a cursed team. Uh, and I think that I'm willing to admit that the Clippers are the new cursed NBA team.
1: You wow! I think I'm going with the Charlotte Hornets.
0: No, the um, Hornets just suck. Like, but they have to be in the playoffs in order to have. They've
1: been the Charlotte Bobcats, dude.
0: No, but you have to be in the playoffs in order to not have to success cursed? in the playoffs. You're saying and I think okay. that, you're talking I about think that playoff that's success the Clippers.
1: Yeah. I can't just I mean that's you, success
0: man. overall. Yeah.
1: Really really tough. Really tough to um. Yeah, too bad. I mean, look, I think that this would have been a much more fun series had everyone be healthy. I love seeing Russell Westbrook play with fire and passion and all that type of stuff, but this Suns team is just too good for this Clippers team, and I think that they get this game done at the crib. Uh, going back to Phoenix, is that tonight? That's what that's what
0: I was gonna say. Like, this series was really like disappointing in the sense where it could have been a seven game series if everyone was healthy yeah. and the Clippers kept playing like they did in game one. But this series did remind people that Russell Westbrook is still a very talented basketball player, yeah, and well, that he happy. actually was just a product of his environment in Los Angeles. And, like, we've been saying it. You and I have been saying that Russell Westbrook is not a bad player. People are just expecting too much of him with his age and the role that he's taking. And he has just exceeded the expectations of people who actually know ball. And it's yes. just fun to watch him getting excited and smiling and dunking on people on the court again. Like, he's just an athletic freak. And when he's happy, then he's an actually certified Hooper.
1: Agreed. Agreed. That that was a great take. That was a great take by you. Um I love it when Russell Westbrook is playing this way. I love it when he's playing with this type of passion and this type of energy and all that type of stuff, which is what I just said. Uh, I'm now finding that I'm repeating myself a little bit, which is okay, um, because it's, it's good to reiterate the fact that, you know, I think the league is better when Russell Westbrook is playing well. Um, but this Clippers team is going to have another season where they're going to have to go back to the drawing board and debate whether or not to blow this team up.
0: Uh, pause. Our um, viewers are probably a little bored with this series now, so we should probably move on. Uh, let's just talk about the Nuggets versus the Timberwolves real quick. Um, again, as we said last time, nobody cares about this series because it's like a 10-30, 9-30 start that uh, nobody watches because the Timberwolves are just getting smoked. But somehow they beat the Nuggets last night, even though Jokic put up like a 45 bomb. And uh, they just simply have no chance of beating them, especially going back to Denver. So I think that game gets wrapped up in five,
1: yeah, I agree. Um, I think that it took a historic Anthony Edwards performance where he said this series isn't over and all that fun stuff on Twitter, and then like he actually you know goes out and shows that he he's he's too good to play on the Minnesota Timberwolves um, but let's be real, the series shouldn't have gone five games, and the fact that it has gone five games is kind of a bit ridiculous, so' they'll get right, this I series have a question done. I have a question for you yeah talk is
0: Carl me. Anthony Towns the worst superstar in the NBA. Dude, I don't even know
1: what's up with Carl anthony Towns. I've never understood that. He's one of the worst defensive centers I think I've ever seen. Um, and I he's just, a really I just likable guy, but him. he's
0: just... Like, I just don't understand why people see him as a superstar. I don't see him as a
1: superstar. I think, that, I think that he's lost the reins of this Minnesota team. I think that this Minnesota team is poorly constructed. I think we've already said that with the Rudy Gobert trade and the fact that neither of us understand it. And boy, has he been awful this year. Although he didn't play horribly in last night's game, I guess. Um, But yeah, Cat really has never really done it for me. He's not a defensive center. He doesn't get rebounds. He doesn't do dirty work. I guess the idea that he's a stretch five is true, but he doesn't shoot the three particularly great. He's at like lead average, maybe even a little bit below that. Um, So I just don't really get the hype with him. And yeah, like I I, I I also don't know I also don't know with a guy like Carl Anthony Towns when we're like, okay, like we can pull the plug on him. You know what I mean? Like he's not gonna be the guy that we think he's gonna be. Because I feel like he's been in the league for what, six or seven years now? And yeah. every year we're like, Oh, Carl Anthony Towns, that's a guy who could be on an all NBA team this year. Um and I'm like, when do we stop, you know, putting so much hype into a guy that hasn't given us as much production as people would have liked? Coming out of Kentucky.
0: It's a pretty valid take. Yeah. And, I mean, the Kentucky guys, this is a good transition because the Kentucky guys, as we said last episode, have just been so good in the playoffs so far. And, I mean, let's move over to our favorite team, the Beam. Uh, Beam team. Another, another like, stellar performance from De'Aaron Fox. And, I mean, it was just kind of a heartbreaking loss. I mean, for those of you who don't know, as of right now, they're tied 2-2 with the Warriors. And, I mean, De'Aaron Fox had, like, 40 points in the last game. But yet, yeah. they still They still lost on a last-second miss by Harrison Barnes. And if you're Harrison Barnes, how do you not make that three? You've been <laughs> dreaming of this moment for six years since you left the team. And once you get your chance, you brick it side rim with one second left. And if you're yeah. the Kings... How do you draw up a play that leaves Harrison Barnes with the game in his hands? I don't That's know. like almost as bad as Grant Williams being on the free throw line saying, I'm going to make both against Donovan Mitchell and then breaking both free throws. Yeah, I'm still mad know. about that.
1: I don't know. I, I think that I think that um, the Kings getting Keegan Murray to start to shoot the ball well again is a good sign for them. Um, I don't understand why Kevin Herter isn't on the floor in that last second possession. Did they have a timeout before that? Did they call a timeout or did they not?
0: They used they used both to advance the ball. Okay, so I so, yeah put, it was out of a timeout.
1: I would have put Kevin Herter in there, I think, and I also if I'm De'Aaron Fox, I'm throwing the ball to uh, to Malik Monk, who was also open on the other wing, to knock down that J. But I mean, to be honest with you, you didn't need a three, so I don't know why they wasted so much time trying to like draw a double. I think they wanted De'Aaron Fox to take the shot, and then he didn't right i think that well, they just Well like well he couldn't ISO take him? the shot
0: because they shut him off both ways Yeah, because he got doubled he got in my opinion what they should have done is dump the ball to Sabonis who was eating on pause, eating on Kevon Looney all game and like just kept scoring tough buckets against him all they needed was a two or to yeah. go to the free throw line so no, the fact that they're spacing the floor and taking shots anyways is i don't know i was just disappointed in the end of that game because i was so excited to see them hit like a game winning shot in the Oracle Arena, as we call it here. Um, and instead, I had to see Steph Curry getting all corny and, like, celebrating. And the post- the woman who was interviewing after the game, like, was clearly crushing on him. Like, and it was just pretty frustrating, dude. I'm not going to lie.
1: Yeah. Having that series at 3-1 as a Sacramento Kings fan. Going, going back, back to, to Sacramento. That would have been a dream scenario, but I guess the fact that they can't steal a game is too bad. Um, I think the winner. It's hard to do against that team. I agree. I agree. Which is why you had to take. Why you had to hit that shot? In my opinion, you had to hit it. You know, you had the Warriors on the ropes there. Um, I think the winner of Game Three wins this series, or uh, of, of Game Five wins this series. What am I saying? I think the winner of Game Five wins this series. Because if the Warriors can prove, if the Warriors can get it done in the King's House, then they're gonna win at Oracle. In my opinion,
0: if the Warriors have a three-two lead going back home, they're not gonna lose that game. At right, home. that's what I'm no saying. No chance.
1: That's what I'm saying. So I, I think this game comes down to to tomorrow night. Um, another disappointing thing about that is De'Aaron Fox has fractured his finger.
0: It's just don't like don't the tip of saw his that. finger, though.
1: I know, so he's gonna it's play a- through it, I'm sure, because he's a baller, and that's what ballers do. Um, but another bailout win for the Warriors? Question mark? Question
0: mark? Was that a Woj bomb?
1: Was that a Woj bomb? Yeah. What? The that the Fox thing? broke his finger. It wasn't yeah. a break. It was yeah. Woj bomb.
0: Was it? Was it basically what I'm asking? Was Was it a Shams tweet or was it a Woj bomb?
1: It was a Woj bomb.
0: And are you a Shams guy or a Woj guy?
1: I'm a Woj guy.
0: Yeah, I'm a Woj guy too. I don't like Shams at all.
1: Shams started the hashtag lunch craze. Do you remember that? No, what? All right, never mind. Never
0: mind. All right, let's move on to our last two series, right? We have two left or no, we have one left. What's the last series? Grizzlies, Lakers. Yep. So, um,. A lot of antics happened in the last game. I won't lie. This has been a fun series. I personally didn't expect the Lakers to have a 2-1 lead going into game four at home. So, I mean, call that what you will. Uh, Yeah, must-win
1: game tonight for the the Grizzlies.
0: Ja is back on the floor. The Grizzlies put up the second least amount of points ever in the first quarter of a playoff game with nine. And, I mean, what is that? A 26-point lead after the first quarter is just insurmountable. Like, you can't Correct. come back from that in a playoff game. Did
1: you watch that game? So if they can
0: not go down 20... 20- no, I didn't watch that game. Okay. Just um, keep going. Keep so going. I am Sorry. just kind of giving my blind take on this, but... that's no, fine. Going down 26 in a playoff game is never going to result in a win. However, if you have John Morant on the floor, if you don't go down 26 in the first quarter, there's always a chance that you can win. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I don't think, think that the Grizzlies are out of this series at all. I just think that they have to pull it together if they want to stay in the playoffs.
1: Agreed. Um, look, if you watch the game, which I did, I watched the fourth quarter uh, after they absolutely fell apart in the first three quarters. Um, John Morant had twenty-five points in the fourth quarter, I think. If I'm, if I'm, if my memory recalls, like 26 points. He had twenty-two straight at one point, and then he assisted the other point. I think he assisted all the other points for the rest of the quarter, because um, I think Desmond Bain had a three or something like that which is just insane. So he got the game back to like 10 points, which is something that I think that only a few players in the NBA would have the fight to do. Um, so I, I never doubt the Grizzlies team. I never doubt the fact that they, that they want to win every game that they play. I think that Dylan Brooks needs to learn his role a little bit more. Um, it's been clear that I'm, I'm a Dylan Brooks guy. You know, I've never been against Dylan Brooks and um you know, so like I, I'm a, I'm a fan of Dylan Brooks. I like the antics that he does. I like the fact that he's the new LeBron instigator. I think that that's all well and good, um, but you got to You got to back it up with not shooting th- three for thirteen from the field. You know what I mean? Like help your team. Well, you out know what I like bit. about
0: Dylan Brooks. People are hating on him too much uh, for this ejection. Like he just, in my mind, that just didn't deserve an ejection. And in my mind, he doesn't really have the reputation uh, in order to get ejected like that in-game. But I think that he's slowly starting to build his reputation and that he is the next villain of the NBA. He is yep. the next Draymond Green. And this is just one of the like one of the actions that's going to get him to be hated by the entire NBA if he's not already. And I kind of like it. I, I kind of like the fact that I'm he hit LeBron. Like, and he was hitting for the ball. Look, I, I'm thinking that he was aiming for the belly button and just missed a little bit. Um, oh, you think he meant something? Kind, kind of a funny coincidence that, you know, he hit him where he did in the midsection. Um, but hit him I just kind of like the fact that everybody gets mad about the, like, most minute things. It's like when people get mad at Patrick Beverley. Like, you can't get mad at a guy because he's going, like, three for 19 on the floor and just running his mouth. Like, you're just letting him win, which I think, I think is hilarious.
1: Can, yeah, I think you can exactly do that, which is what people continue to do. But as you said, like, the only reason that he gets away with that type of stuff is because people, people enable him to do that by getting upset about it. So I I'm, yeah. I'm a I, and, hope I mean this... if I was
0: in his position I would just keep making people upset because every team yeah. that goes somewhere needs a guy like that and like he Correct. does show hard on the floor like he's Correct. always diving around he's a like a you know he's a hardworking player um, yeah we we but in if no just, like, way shoot more consistently then he's going to be like a very crucial part of that Grizzlies team. <laughs>
1: right we by no means over here at the corner office do not like. Um... Dylan Brooks, right? We're both I think we're both Brooks heads a little bit. I think you're coming around a little bit even though you weren't really on that to, come to start. You're starting to come around. I
0: okay. I used to really hate him, but I like the fact that people are getting really mad at things that they shouldn't be mad about. Yeah, so that's fair. Um All right, and we are back with our microscope of the week. Alex, I don't know about you, but I have been missing the NFL season uh more than I thought I would. But one guy who I don't miss seeing on the field is Aaron Rodgers. And we are big Aaron Rodgers haters on this podcast. If you remember listening to episode two, if you've been around with us for that long, you remember just how much we don't like Aaron Rodgers. And now he's going to be on the New York Jets, who, as I hate to admit it, are finally building a good roster for the first time in probably the history of my being on this earth. I have never been scared of a Jets team but I mean I am a little bit worried about this Jets team with Aaron Rodgers. and I didn't read what they gave up for him I know it was a lot but still like they just have so many guys who are just like very talented and young and like on the way up and I think that getting Zach Wilson out of there and giving them an actual quarterback is a great move however it's Aaron Rodgers, so he's got a knack for losing and the only good thing about him going to the Jets is that he can't lose in NFC championships anymore. He can only lose in AFC <laughs> championships. So, I mean, I don't think that... I think that bringing in a quarterback is a great move for the Jets. I just don't know about him. I don't know. I mean, they're going to be good. They're going to be like a, maybe an above 500 team probably and maybe give the Bills like and the Dolphins a run for their money at the division. But, like... I just don't see them going further than like the wild card of the divisional round in the playoffs, with this quarterback, and like this young team. So I don't know. That's my two cents on it.
1: Yeah, I can't. I can't disagree with you. I mean, I'm not really the de facto NFL guy of this podcast. Let's be clear. Um, look, I mean, we we haven't made it. You know, I, I wouldn't. Say, we're definitely not Aaron Rodgers fans, right? I mean. And, I mean, we're definitely not Jets fans, but, I mean, they're definitely going to be better than the Patriots next year, which isn't great.
0: <laughs> I mean, for <laughs> who us. isn't better than the Patriots in the league right now? Yeah, yeah,
1: it's fair. It's fair. Not many. Not many people. Not pe- not, not many people are worse than than the Pats are at, at this moment in time. Um, Moving on to my microscope, are you cool if I go to mine?
0: Yeah, let's do it. All
1: right, cool. I want to talk about uh, the NBA coaching shifts that are about to occur. I think that there are a lot of coaches this year that are on the hot seat. Um, first things first, congratulations to Ime Udoka on being hired by the Houston Rockets. There were clearly some personnel issues that occurred um, in in Boston, which is which is too bad because you know he was a fantastic coach, and now that Joe Mazzulla has taken over, he's he's done very well as well. Um, but you know that that. That being said, it's still disappointing to see that guy go because he's clearly such a great basketball mind, um, regardless of how he is as a human being, which doesn't seem like, you know, great. Um, But the Houston Rockets nonetheless get a huge coaching pickup in Ime Udoka, and um, congratulations to them. Also, Nick Nurse got fired by the Toronto Raptors. It was my take that he was going to be the next head coach of the Houston Rockets, so I could see him going to someplace like the Magic, the Hornets, or the Pistons, Um, if they get rid of their coaches who are on the hot seat this year. I think Dwayne Casey's on the hot seat as that Pistons coach, even if they get Wembenyama next year. Um, You know, I I really hope that Wembenyama goes to the Spurs, but I don't think that's going to happen. I also think that uh, the Trailblazers head coach, um,
0: Chauncey Billups,
1: it is Chauncey Billis, right? Yeah, I think he's on the hot seat. I think that you see Jason Kidd on the hot seat, and I think that there are a lot of teams that are looking at uh, Nick Nurse, who's who's out there, and I think is still a top ten coach in the league, and going, man, if we could only get that guy on our roster.
0: I like the idea so of Nick, Nick Nurse moving take. to the Mavericks and working with that team. I
1: don't like. I like that. I don't like that idea as as a fan of the Celtics. Right. No. You know right. I mean?
0: um, Let's
1: keep Jason Kidd in
0: as the Mavericks head coach. <laughs> uh. I mean, with Ime, uh, I did hate to see him go at the time, but I did not realize that we were not only—hold on—I gotta sneeze real quick. <coughs> Hope I gotta bless you from the listeners. Uh, bless you. Not only did we score Joe Mazzula, who's a very good coach in of itself, but he's also—I was talking about this with some of the boys the other night. He's also probably the most handsome coach in the league. So now people look at us and they say, "Wow, this is a great basketball <laughs> Joe team." Joe
1: Mazzula's is the most handsome, but coach Joe Mazzula
0: is also incredibly handsome. Uh, I think
1: I think Eric Spolstra has got something
0: to say. No, about that. No, dude, Eric Spolstra has like the flattest face. He looks like a me. You know, like when you used to make like Wii characters, he looks like you did like the orange skin setting on a me. It's
1: good to know that that, that that that's where our heads look up. Are with the, look with our up, NBA Eric
0: Spolstra. Side profile, and you'll know what I'm talking about. It's bad,
1: dude. I I don't know. Maybe JB Bickerstaff.
0: JB Bickerstaff's a handsome lad, but like over Joe, that's crazy. That's a bad take from you. (laughs) Joe is so handsome.
1: Joe is so handsome. (laughs) Okay, good to know. That's where your head's at. Um. I would throw I would throw I mean I guess Steve Nash is out of the league now, so I'd throw Steve Kerr in there too.
0: No, but. dude. Do you remember who we're talking about? Bro, Joe Mazzula. He's so handsome. Yeah. No I know homo. Joe
1: Missoula I know who Joe Mazzula is.
0: Yeah. Anyways, I um don't see it, Nick Nurse. But, uh, I right. like the fact that he's not coaching anywhere because I um think that he's a really good coach and can lead any team to a playoff run with that being said i don't know who is going to take over that raptors locker room because reports have come out that they are a tragedy right abysmal
1: now. yeah
0: i mean you know more about that Not than good. i do so
1: yeah i know about the same amount of tweets as you do so it sounds like it's it's pretty ugly over there there were issues about ball movement uh, scotty barnes was really mad about that a couple of weeks ago Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's really an attractive coaching destination for a bunch of, for, for a head coach right now, because they are kind of a middling team right now. Uh, And Nick nurse definitely lost the locker room, which is why he's mutually parted ways with the Raptors. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to see where that goes. I really am.
0: All right. Well, I mean, that, that's my microscope of the week. That'll wrap up the episode right there. Um, as always, thank you for listening. And I'm Jack Byrne.
1: And I'm Alex Fenders. Corner three. Corner three.